can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. This is also the Voice of America's 82nd anniversary, and I welcome you to the February 1st edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. On Thursday's show, we'll continue our special coverage of the 34th Africa Cup of Nations Football Tournament, or AFCON, in Ivory Coast. Quarterfinal action kicks off Friday with two games in the Ivorian commercial capital of Abidjan. The Super Eagles of Nigeria will play the Palancas Negras of Angola, and that will be followed by a match between Sili Nacional of Guinea and the Leopards of the Democratic Republic of Congo. On Saturday, there are quarterfinal matches in Boake and Yamasukro. In Boake, the Elephants of Ivory Coast will host the Eagles of Mali, and in Yamasukro, the Blue Sharks of Cape Verde will play Bafana Bafana of South Africa. Now, the South Africans advanced by upsetting 2022 FIFA World Cup semifinalist Morocco 2-0. Not many people gave Bafana Bafana a chance of beating Africa's top-ranked team Morocco. Myron Nika takes an in-depth look into how the result against Morocco has breathed new life into South Africa's drive for continental glory. Sporty greetings, Myron! Sporty greetings, Sonny. A sporting heist at the continent's premier gathering. There's no other way to describe Morocco's exit at AFCON 2023 at the hands of Bafana Bafana, but an upset. The World Cup semi-finalists are laden with stars, but South Africa found a way to disrupt their game plan, capitalizing with two stunning strikes. South Africa's coach, Hugo Bruce, shed some light on how his side dismantled the Atlas Lions. But we did a very good analyze from, uh, from Morocco. And it's not the first time we play against them. So we know that team because that team don't change so much. They're all good players. So we knew today how we had to play. And then on certain moments in the game, you need that little bit luck that we have the second half. They missed the penalty. There were a few chances uh, we could save. Um, and then, yes, then you win the game. For the players, it was about sticking to the game plan that Bruce had set out. Midfielder Tebojo Mokwena, who scored the stunning free kick which put the game beyond Morocco's reach, said the team capitalised on their underdog status. I'm very happy to be where I am now and I'm proud of the team because uh, I think no one gave us a chance. After the first game we lost to Mali, but uh, we came back strong and uh, we regrouped and we work very hard to be where we are now. It's been some turnaround for Bruce, who faced a mountain of criticism before the team's departure for the tournament in the Ivory Coast. There were questions by some quarters of the country's press and fans over his squad selection. Against Morocco, Bruce started nine locally-based players, eight of which play for African giants Mamelodi Sundowns. First of all, it's important that the players have confidence. Um, you get confidence with winning games. And um, we needed some time to, to make a team. I uh, got a lot of critics in South Africa at a certain moment because of the choices I made. But I knew what I was doing. I know the results have to follow. 
And even with local players now, you see they play on that high level. Uh, when they have the confidence, they can do it. And this is very important for the South African football. The last time South Africa reached the quarterfinal stage of the competition was back in 2019. It's now about capitalizing on their momentum, according to former Bafana Bafana striker George Dernley. I think we need to take the game to them, but also be very aware that um, that Cape Verde play a, a very robust uh, transition game, quick on the counter, um, very physical players up front. Um, but I think Bafana will edge them. Uh, we, we haven't beaten them in the last two games against them, so we've got that in the back of our heads. But um, yeah, that Morocco result and, and performance, it was a really good performance, I think would have just given us... Uh, that little bit of a confidence booster that we that we need to go into the semifinals. Dernley, who is the director of the Magic Foundation, a leading football development program based in Cape Town, has been impressed by Cape Verde. They've really lit up the tournament. I think they all the neutrals' uh, favourite team, and uh, we also obviously have to be aware that they are very direct, very physical, and um, and they pose a big threat at set pieces. So uh, a different style to the way we normally play, a lot more possession-based, a lot more patient, so very contrast, contrasting styles, but um, it should make for a very entertaining game. With the top-ranked teams all knocked out of the tournament, including the holders, Senegal, the door is now open for a new champion to emerge. Despite their heroics, Mokwena says South Africa do not want to get too far ahead of themselves. No one can see who's going to win it. So the top five teams in, in Africa, they're all out. So it's up to us, our other teams, to, to, to take the, the trophy. And uh, in 2019, uh, we made it to quarterfinals. So it's not a surprise to South Africans that the uh, quarterfinals are new to us. So we must take it a step higher because we must take the place, to, we must take the national team to a better place than we found it. So yeah, I think. Uh, the big clash between the two nations takes place this Saturday at the Charles Conan Bani Stadium in Yamasukro. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Myron Nika in Durban, South Africa. Thanks, Myron. South Africa's surprising run and the performances by other less fancied teams were discussed during episode three of Kick It AFCON, a special 30-minute podcast by VOA Africa on African football's premier event. A VOA panel made up of Kali Abdu, Mike Hovey, Mukbil Yabaro, and yours truly were joined by special guest Coach Sam Sasu. Let's give it a listen. Sporty greetings. Welcome to VOA's AFCON podcast. I'm your host, Kali Abdu. Joining me in the studio are my esteemed colleagues, Sonny Young, Mokbil Yabaro, Sam Sassoon, and Mike Hovey of Bafana Bafana. One and only gentlemen, Bafana Bafana, man. Talk to me, Mike. What's going on? It was beautiful. It was really an amazing football match to watch. Uh, you know, tense for any South African fan. When I saw Hakimi take that penalty, your yes. heart is beating every moment. I'm, I swear, I thought I was a player for a second, man. <laughs> <laughs> but when he clipped that post and it went up, you could see the momentum shift in favor of Bafana Bafana. 
it was a beautiful game to watch, but it's something I'm looking forward to. Sam, he mentioned the penalty miss. That penalty miss reminds you of, of something. Me being a Ghanaian, uh, full in hearts, uh, we go back to South Africa for the World Cup versus Uruguay. <laughs> Uh, one of our top leading goal yeah. scorers for the nation, Asamoah Gyan. Mm -hmm. We had the same type of um, moment. Yeah. yeah, you know that penalty comes down to you know can you have the composure yeah. to put it in the back of the net yeah. to see your nation go forward. Mm -hmm. So, you know when I'm actually watching the match, I'm just having you know flashbacks of that yeah. entire moment. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it happens though. It yeah. gets to the best of all footballers. You know, I was having this conversation with Sunny early on. Why do they always give it to the, I guess we'll call it the leadership of the team, like the, the player that they think? Because sometimes those players are not the ones who have the momentum behind them. That's true. I, I think it comes down to uh, the belief of the team. And, and a lot of times you have those individual players that kind of carry the team, in mm -hmm. a sense. And especially within a lot of these African nations, we have, we have those individual talents that mm -hmm. people look to to kind of see those moments through. Mm -hmm. But... Real, realistically, it takes a lot of composure. Yeah. You have to mm -hmm. find the most composed, you know, footballer on the pitch to kind of take that penalty, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to kind of seal those moments out because you've seen it. You've seen it within the African Cup of Nations. Mm -hmm. You've seen yeah. it in World Champions Cup, League. Champions, you've seen yeah. it Everywhere. all over, you know, Premier League, you know, La Liga, all of that. Mm -hmm. Those players that don't have the composure, yeah. those moments either define their career or, or break them. Yeah. You know? we'll, we'll come back to that in a yeah. second. Let, let's talk to my colleague, Mokbil, who was on the ground in Afghan, welcome back. Yeah, thank you, man. Amazing scenes, you know, from there, you know, talk to us about what you saw in Ivory Coast. Man, Ivory Coast, to me, was, it, it was such a vibe, bro. Like, it, it was, like, the Ivorians are, to me, some of the best hosts possible. Mm -hmm. They really uh, showcase what it means uh, to showcase uh, hospitality across mm -hmm. the board, you know what I mean? Their food was amazing. The, the weather was great, you know. Um, but on top of that, their love for the game of football and, and, and their uh, want for Les Elephants to mm. continue in their conquest uh, yeah. to win this tournament is, is huge, man. So for them, if this game that we're talking about right now, the Moroccans really allowed them to get into the tournament mm -hmm. to further in the tournament because of that win against Zambia. Yeah. So it was really uh, a very quiet uh, Ivory mm. Coast. I know in Abidjan, some of my friends that are there said that in the stadium, first off, you couldn't hear nothing. After Hakimi misses that penalty oh. kick, mm, yeah. it is like silence. You don't think. And there was a huge uh, uh, Moroccan fan base that were there yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. But they were quiet after that because they really knew that late in the game you missed that. And it coming from somebody like uh, Hakimi, as yeah. you guys were just talking about right now. To me, he's a great person to have in that spot because he's shown time and time again that he does have the composure to make it happen for his team. Just unfortunate, you know, it's like a game of, you know, chance, really, when Dice. it comes to PKs. You're going to eventually miss. Yeah. So it just so happened that he missed in a moment where his that team much, would have much loved uh, to to push them through. Because, like we said, if he goes and scores that, yeah. Sofian Amrabat doesn't do what he does out of frustration. Yeah. It's a completely different yeah, game. Um, yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm definitely excited, though, to see... Uh, the minnows uh, really yeah. showcasing that they are in the waters with the sharks and they're really, you know, showing yeah. themselves. The blue sharks of Cape Verde, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the likes of certain teams, uh, the Bafana Bafanas of the world, 
But interestingly enough, Bafana Bafana did already beat Morocco AFCON yeah. qualifiers. Right. 2-1. Right. Yep. So this, it's not like this yeah. is the first go-around. They said, we did this once. We can, we can do, do it, it again. again. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of the uh, surprising teams in the tournament, though, we in the span of 24 hours, we saw Morocco go out and Senegal, the defending champion, absolutely. go out. And, uh, yeah, I, just based on that, it's been a, an exciting tournament. Yeah, yeah you know, speaking of... Uh, 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 Bafana Bafana South Africa beating Morocco. You seem to be their, you know, their Achilles heel. You, you're 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 beating them over and over and over again. What's that about? So <laughs> I was actually saying this to Sunny that it's interesting how this is actually turning into a rivalry without even noticing it, mm. right? Because Bafana Bafana and Morocco have played each other several times, and it's like a a look back, a tip a tit yeah. for tat. Every yeah. single time Morocco plays well, Bafana Bafana somehow comes back. Yeah. Sometimes it's a draw, but it, it's turning into an interesting rivalry, which I'm really intrigued by. Um, I was talking to Sunny early on about what we're now thinking of when we talk about, like for example, FIFA rankings. I'm like, what does this mean? Yeah. At some point, Morocco was ranked as the highest team on the continent. Right. Bafana Bafana is nowhere in the top mm-hmm. in that vicinity of like top five teams on the continent, but somehow they have this rivalry going on tit for tat. They yeah. play back, play back. Um, for me, that was really interesting. But that aside, uh, I was talking to Sunny also about the squad for yeah. Bafana Bafana. Um, something I did point out earlier on is how a lot of the players have been playing together for a very long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of them play for, together for Mamelodi Sundown. Some of them play alongside uh, when they go for national squads because they play for Orlando Pirates. Uh, Coach Hugo Bruce really went for a local squad, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't even lie. I was among the people who really raised the question about that because I'm like, some of these players need international exp- exposure. Um, you're playing against players in Europe, ETC, ETC, ETC. Yeah. But it's it, it's somehow working out. Mike yeah. uh, Bruce was quoted after that victory over Morocco, saying that Bafana Bafana needs to dream Find of out. making it to the final. Dreams and nightmares. Do you, do you think they can? <laughs> do you think they can lift the trophy? It's very possible. It's starting to look good. Um, I mean, uh, that's not to take away from the fact that the Blue Sharks are playing like amazing yeah. football. It's, yeah. a, it's a really so. By no chance should Bafana Bafana walk into that uh, game thinking it's a walk in the park. Yeah. Which I don't think they are. I mean, they seem to have taken their approach towards Afcon a little different. Um, throughout that whole time, I've seen them play well as a team. I've seen them take their opposition very seriously. Um, we saw how they played against Tunisia. They massacred them, and mm. the same applied when they played. Uh, sorry, they, they, they drew to uh, they to, drew to Tunisia, yeah, but Namibia, know, Namibia, yes. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, it, you can see that Mufana Bafana's approach towards this is a little different. Now, the reasoning behind that, obviously, I'll speak from uh, for a South African standpoint, is that. I, I think they're out to prove a point. Um, Bafana Bafana has always been seen, and I call them this myself, the black sheep of the family. You saw the Springboks excelling, the Proteas have excelled. So everybody looks at Bafana Bafana like, ah, oh, gents, hmm. come on, man, come on. <laughs> yeah. You have to do something. Do something. Do something. You know? So they do have a point to prove. They have a point to prove. Uh, and they're playing it's, like it's, it. They're playing as though they are out there to win. So mm. it's really intriguing. Uh, but before we navigate that, uh, I want us to hear what uh, Sonny brought up, our uh, coach Hugo Bruce. So uh, let's head over to uh, a statement he gave out earlier on where he was speaking on Bafana Bafana, the game against uh, Morocco, and of course what it's looking like for them as they head into the quarterfinals. So let's hear what he had to say, and then we'll come back and unpack more. I don't think that um, I have to tell you that I'm very happy today. Um, we beat Morocco. And it's not only because we are in the quarterfinals. But beating a team like Morocco is uh, something special. Uh, This is a very good team with very good players. 
but we did the right analysis <clears throat> and uh, the way we played the tactic was the right one. I got a lot of critics in South Africa at a certain moment because of the choices I made. But I knew what I was doing. I know the results have to follow. And even with local players now, you see they play on that high level. Uh, when they have the confidence, they can do it. And this is very important for the South African football, that we are making good performances here on such a big tournament. They fight from the first minute. They played very disciplined. And we knew that we wouldn't have four, five, six or ten chances today against this team. But when we had the chance, we had to use it. And we did. And that was very important today, that the few chances we had that we could score. Well, we heard there from our coach, Hugo Bruce, a South African coach, a Belgian gentleman, 71-year-old, they're leading Bafana, Bafana through to the quarterfinals, something that a lot of people really uh, criticized him for, for having a local team. He spoke on that. He said, I'm out to prove you wrong, gents. Uh, so let's really unpack more of this, guys. Kali, you were talking about looking at the quarterfinals. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I, I, I wanted to get your uh, all of you guys, which games stood out? You know, to you, we have some high-scoring games. Two of the games went to PKs, mm -hmm. but all in all, they were very, very entertaining games. Sam, let's start with you. Which game stood out? For oh, for, wow, a lot of good games. So so far for me, it has to be Senegal versus Ivory Coast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that that match uh, yeah. in itself. You know, when you talk about African football, there, there's a stigmatism amongst the nations in the in the continent that. We don't know how to play football mm -hmm. that well. We mm -hmm. don't keep up with, you know, possession-style football. We don't know how to build out. And in that game, you saw it all. You saw the build-out. You saw the possession. But also, you saw the, the risk-taking from that mm -hmm. middle third mm -hmm. to final third. And in that game alone, um, I mean, yes, you had a, a, quite a bit of foul. 26 fouls for um, Ivory Coast, you know, 25 for Senegal. But altogether, you had a lot of shot attempts on goal. Mm -hmm. And that made a bigger difference in the match because then you can actually see the teams are actually pushing for that win, you know. But those fouls also speak to the physicality of the yeah, game. Yeah, that's it was true. very physical. Mm -hmm. right? So Ivory Coast played with a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. Mokbil, you were, you were down there. Ivory Coast started on fire, then it, it kind of it went downhill, kinda. right? Yeah. Kind of. You know. It did. <laughs> you know, no, no, it was water. No, I'd say kind of. I'd say kind Because realistically speaking, the one game that may have stood out to a lot of people is that Equatorial Guinea yeah, game yep. but in actuality they had 22 shots in that yeah, game exactly. so what I've been saying is from time that Ivory Coast has shown that they are really good at every third except for the final, final third, third. Mm. so it's like they're doing everything that they need to do to get their team in the best possible position to score and it is the responsibility of the attacking players to knock it down because there's been ample opportunities for them and they've been at the very front right in front of goal and have not been man been able to manage to score so i think with the firing of coach gassette you know yeah. i think with yeah. this new core in uh what it showed me is that it gave them a different sense of belonging and i also feel like because they were like the last very last team to make mm. it to the knockout phase mm. they and they got rewarded by playing the defending champions. They felt as though we literally have nothing to prove anymore. Mm -hmm. There are no expectations on us. Everyone mm -hmm. thinks we're dead in the yep. water. So let's come out and actually prove to ourselves more than anything else that we belong in this tournament. Not only we host, but we belong to no, be right. in here. And not only did they show that, uh, they showed a great thing. And 
right before we cut off, we spoke about this yesterday. And what I feel like is that game could have been completely different in the direction for them if Saudi Omani gets that red. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. a huge call. Yeah. And, and, and I've been a huge proponent in saying that like, officiating and VAR has been excellent in this tournament. I think yeah. that was one of the calls that maybe looked at like – I like the call in hindsight simply because it let Ivory Coast win on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if that call happens right after the goal, it'll be all about it. And they would not have gotten the respect that yeah. they deserve yeah. to win. Great, so they want it on their own merits. And I, I like the call after the fact. Yeah. Sonny, Senegal, Egypt, Morocco, knocked out. Who saw that coming? I certainly didn't. Nightmares <laughs> <laughs> uh, continue, oh, gentlemen. Boy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. In terms of uh, teams that have that are gone, no yeah. North African teams You're left. Right. Uh, all five African teams that qualified for the World Cup in 2022, they're mm-hmm. all gone. That's... Uh, and you know, it, I think it speaks to the growth of African football. Yeah. that you know yeah. that we're seeing some of these smaller teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, speaking about you're just on your point. Um, the the African teams that are utilizing the the funds that are coming in, it's it's showing, isn't it? You know, we're seeing teams like Cape Verde. We're seeing, you know, Angola. Angola. You know, yeah. it, it seems like they're utilizing these funds the way that it should. You know, and, and that's contributing to the success that we're seeing on the pitch, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think I think funds play a role into that um obviously you know it builds into the um the facilities that they have the resources that they're able to have for the football clubs but i think the the biggest thing that we're seeing out of the this particular cup of nations is that these teams that have made it by so far if you watch how they interact you know how Mm. they play for the badge and they like each other yes they get get along (laughs) very well and i I think that that's something that speaks to a lot of these teams that are in this you know last couple matches that are going on to this you know uh, qualifying matches because you have to start thinking about okay how did they get through against these teams that are Mm -hmm. on paper should be better than right run in to just make it to this point of the tournament I mean, think about it. You have Cape Verde. Nobody was seeing Cape Verde coming up this far mm, at all, yeah, yeah. you know. But the fact that they have a good uh, camaraderie around their squad, mm-hmm. they they understand what needs to be taking place on the field, but they understand the pride for their badge. I think that makes a big difference as well. I, I was thinking about this. We we were looking at the players from Cape Verde, mm-hmm. and out of fifty five, uh, only maybe seven play elsewhere Correct. the rest of them all mm-hmm. play at home yep mm-hmm. i wonder if for a big team you know you're analyzing who are their star players who's capable of doing what when you haven't really heard of some of these guys before you you know does that play into it where you you know you you're you're facing a team as opposed to individuals um so i think it goes to two points right one of them is the pride right, right? is a lot of these teams stepping into it uh, some of them aren't scared. They're mm. like, we have nothing, absolutely nothing to lose at this point. Let's play it all and leave it all on the field. Mm-hmm. If we lose, so be it. We played our best. 
But at the very least, at the very best, we walk off this field as winners. And mm. I think we've seen that mentality time and time and time again with uh, all these small teams or so-called small teams. Um, once again, I don't want to keep bringing it back to Bafana Bafana, but that's one thing. I know some of the players, mm. and some of them did say that before they played Bafana Bafana, and I was like, ah, Jens, yeah. it's the Atlas Lions, come on, semi-finalists. Yeah. They're yeah. like, no, listen, my friend, we've played these guys before. We know them. We right. know them. Mm-hmm. Right. And aside from that, they know themselves as a team. Mm-hmm. They say, mm-hmm. we have nothing to lose. At yeah. the very least, worst case scenario is we go back and yeah. people go, ah, oh, Bafana, yeah. Bafana yeah. lost yeah. again. Yeah. But best case scenario is we walk off as winners and yeah. heroes. Heroes, yeah. And they still are heroes right now. <laughs> it, it really is intriguing to see how people yeah. are embracing Bafana, yeah. Bafana. This mm-hmm. is a wave uh, that... I have not seen in a very long time. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been a Bafana Bafana fan, but even I had my skepticism when yeah, we started right. this conversation. And right. I said Bafana Bafana wouldn't have made it out the group. Yeah. At the very least, they would have made it a third best. You know what I think, though? I also feel as though it's kind of like a role reversal, right? So, mm-hmm. like, you have teams like the Senegals and the Moroccos mm-hmm. of the world that now feel like how Morocco felt... You know, or like how Spain and Portugal felt when they were in the World mm-hmm, Cup. Mm-hmm. So when your mentality now switches because the top six teams coming into AFCON, five of them are North African teams, mm-hmm. you're expecting to come out of this and Some. you're looking at these other teams as less than. Mm-hmm. But when you play Spain and Portugal, you play up to competition. Mm-hmm, you're punching mm-hmm. up Correct. in weight, right? Correct. So I think what happened is, uh, and Senegal, unfortunately, I, I think Senegal was the only team that got knocked out that didn't have that mentality. That but but they you actually play well. played, played, but it right. just just it wasn't their day, mm-hmm, you yeah. know, because throughout the group stages they were they, they were, were running through everyone yeah, yeah. and they were playing with that ability like look, we don't care if you're this if you're 100 ranked or if you're ranked right. number one, we we're going to give you everything yeah. we have. And they tried with Ivory Coast, but Ivory Coast may not look great on paper, yeah. man. But when them boys play, yeah. they, they play. are different, man. Yeah. They're just as athletic as Senegal. They're just as fast. It's just that, you know, their finishing just wasn't that yeah. great. But they controlled the tempo and, yeah. and the pace of the game towards the end. And I think Morocco kind of like came into that first initial game and beat down Tanzania 3-0 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and yep. felt like they were going to do that to everybody. Mm-hmm. And when DRC gave them that physicality, mm-hmm. they, they decided, ah, uh, well, maybe maybe gonna this is going to be a little <laughs> yeah. different, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they were a lot more physical and a lot stronger and a lot faster than the Spains and the Portugal because those teams play tactically. Mm-hmm. But when you play some of these sub-Saharan teams, they're physical. more physical than you possibly, yeah. faster, more athletic. Yeah. And just now as technically, because technically, Technicality and, 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 and the way that the game is played today across the continent is like everybody is technical. Yeah, it's no longer how it once upon a just time boot. used to be just boot the no. ball to, what yeah. were we saying, to JJ yeah. back yeah. in the yeah. day yeah. and, just let, and let him work. Quick question for uh, Coach Sam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Morocco was the first team to arrive uh-huh. uh, in Ivory Coast outside the host country and the last North African team to be eliminated. Do you see the geography playing into mm. this that – that you know, yeah. you have North African teams coming into uh, a hotter climate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember, you know, we we've, we've seen all those cooling breaks they've been yeah. having mm-hmm. during the matches. Do you think that affected them? Yeah, though? I think weather plays a big role in football, um, especially when you're going from a major climate change where you're kind of going from cool temperatures mm-hmm. to like massive heat, and you have humidity on top of that. Uh, for the local teams that are in that particular region of Africa, it's easier for them to kind of stay 
um, hydrated and kind of mm-hmm. have their bodies adjust to the temperatures and the climate in that region. But for those northern African northern African countries that are coming in, it's a little bit difficult because sometimes mm-hmm. um, if you look at it, um, even from like club standpoint, mm-hmm. a lot of club football when they have to travel to those climates, they'll mm-hmm. actually go there maybe a week ahead of yeah, time yeah. to get acclimated Accl- yeah. for that you know those temperature gauges and everything. But I think. You know, with the tournament being so quick and a lot of these players are coming back from, you know, the UK, Paris, Germany um, and playing in those leagues, coming back into that, you know, massive heat, your body doesn't adjust that quickly. Mm -hmm. By the time it adjusts, it's either you're down, you know, one nil or two nil and you have to find (laughs) your way back somehow Mm -hmm. with, you know, your legs straggling along. Mm -hmm. So I think the climate does play a role. Let's let's dig into the the North African teams a bit more. We all expected so much. We're talking about mm-hmm. Mo Salah. We're talking about mm-hmm. Mares. We're mm-hmm. talking about the Moroccan team, you know, from, from Qatar. You know, mm-hmm. there's just so much anticipation for them. And then all of them just are not in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. What is it? You're a coach, Sam. What is it about the teams? You know, is it that they didn't play as well, or is it that the, the teams that beat them just played better than them? Is it is it one of those things where it, it can it, it can be broken down to to uh, for, as from a coaching standpoint, I I look at it from this. You know, when when you're when you're managing a football club or managing you know an international team of football, you you have to make sure one that there's an equal level of camaraderie there mm-hmm. because I think that's where it has to start because. When you start building a a program and you're building a football identity for your nation, you can't have the individuals as what people look to. Because then when those individuals don't capitalize, like we saw in Morocco, Mm -hmm. who do we depend on at that point? Then, Because then the team is like, oh, my gosh, he couldn't finish that Mm -hmm. shot. Yeah. What now? Yeah. What do we do now? How do do we get back? Because now we're in panic mode because our our so-called, you know, star player, the guy, the number one, the star boy. He didn't finish. Yeah. What, what do we do now? That's Coach Sam Sasu. Coach Sam joined me, Mukbil Yabaro, Mike Hove, and Kali Abdu for Episode 3 of Kick It AFCON, VOA Africa's special podcast on African football's premier event. And that wraps up the February 1st edition of the show. Thanks to producer and VOA Nations Cup reporter Mukbil Yabaro, as well as VOA engineer Saida Hamdoun. And thank you for tuning in. Happy 82nd anniversary, Voice of America. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.